Welcome everyone to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm thrilled to have Dr. Keneally on the podcast today, and we're going to be talking about the latest technologies in early detection, testing, and treatment of cancer diagnosis. Dr. Keneally is quite the pioneer, and I'm going to read a little bit about her bio. Uh, Lee Aaron Keneally is a prominent leader in the integrative and functional medical field with over 30 years of experience taking the best of all sciences, including homeopathic and conventional treatments for cancer, chronic illnesses, nutrition, and lifestyle approach. She's the medical director of two amazing clinics in Irvine, California, the Center for New Medicine and the Center and the Cancer Center for Healing. The combined clinics have become the largest integrated medical clinic in North America and are visited by patients from all over the world with 47,000 patients and growing. The Center for New Medicine focuses on prevention and internal medicine along with yearly physicals, autoimmune disease, natural hormone replacement, chronic issues, and aesthetics. Dr. Keneally feels we must treat the whole person, the patient with the disease, and not the disease of the patient while determining the origin of the illness. Dr. Keneally created the Cancer Center for Healing because of the epidemic spreading of cancer. Patients receive scientifically-based treatments and receive integrated protocols. She's created an acute awareness for the need to focus on cancer prevention, providing unique testing to determine the early stages of cancer years before a scanner reveals or is recognized. Through RGCC genetic testing, for example, she and her skill team can create personalized treatment plans for early to late stage cancer patients. She's discovered that many factors contribute to the disease process. Therefore, many modalities must be used to reverse it and spending the proper time with each patient to allow for the reversal of the disease. Dr. Keneally and her team of practitioners make this happen each day at her multidiscipline state-of-the-art clinic while providing quality of life treatments. Dr. Keneally is the author of two books, Be Perfectly Healthy, that was published in 2009, and The Cancer Revolution published in 2017 has revolutionized the landscape of medicine. In 2017, she was named one of the top 50 functional and integrative doctors in the country. In 2018, Dr. Keneally began a TV series as the host of Dr. Detective TV, aired on the Jewel TV television network. She writes for many publications, including the Townsend Letter, a prominent medical magazine, Mike Adams, Josh Axe, and Ben Greenfeld. She serves on the board for Josh Axe, ACAM, and ACIM Connect. Also, Dr. Dr. Keneally imparts her wisdom and education medical practitioners from all over the world, as well as public speaking engagements, webinars, podcasts that include The Truth About Cancer with Ty and Shirley Bollinger, Answer to Cancer with Dr. Patrick and Tempo, a variety of series with Nathan Crane, Kellyanne Petrucci, Ryan Sternigal, Jonathan Otto, Lynn McTaggart, Ben Greenfield, and Dr. Mercola. To learn more, visit KeneallyMD.com, CenterForNewMedicine.com, centerforhealing.com or perfectlyhealthy.com. I hope you enjoy the podcast today with Dr. Lear and Keneally. Welcome, Dr. Keneally. I'm so excited to interview you today. Thank you. It's great to be with you. It's been really fun getting to know you. I know that we've been working on a project with Free Medica, and I've just been so honored just to hear your experience and your knowledge, and you do such incredible pioneering work in the field of integrative cancer and you have this big clinic in California. So for those who might be new to your work, how did you get started in the realm of integrative oncology? Well, that's always the pivotal point for all of our lives is how do we get into what we're doing? And uh, so I was born in the fifties. I'm number three of six children. And my mother started bleeding when she was pregnant with me. And so of course she went to her doctor and her doctor said, we have a medication that can prevent you from bleeding and help you save your baby. So sure enough, my mom followed his directions 
And so 16 years later, my parents get a letter saying that, oh, the drug that you were administered during pregnancy, DES, which was diethostobestrol, which is a very potent estrogen. It's really considered now an endocrine disruptor. And they said that it causes hormone problems in both male and female offspring, as well as hormonal problems, infertility, scoliosis, and a whole slew of things. So I lived in Texas at the time. So I went to an ivory tower institution to start getting checked. And, you know, I went through lots of different things because I had dysplasia and all kinds of things. So past, you know, now here I am 63 years of age. I've had, you know, many, many manifestations and challenges because of it, but it's also made me who I am and what I know today. So even though they weren't fun because I didn't have children naturally, because I never ovulated, I only ovulated maybe once a year, if at all. So infertility and having children was even, was a very scientific experiment. (laughs) so to speak, but I'm fortunate that I have babies now or grown babies rather. Mm -hmm. And, but it taught me because I had so many hormonal problems. I had just all kinds of issues. Last year, I went to Germany and got 18 hours of back surgery for scoliosis. I went to the best guy in the world and, you know, now I have a bit, a new back and I'm kind of bionic a little bit. So, uh, you know, but now I know how to take care of patients because I'm a patient. Mm. And so, and I really believe how when we as doctors, we look, read things in a book and analyze in a book, that's one thing. Living it is the real deal. Mm. And so I just feel like I want people to know what I know because of my experience. And I have 34 years of day-to-day seeing patients and our patients are our biggest teachers, they tell us so much. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a book is very limited, a scientific article is limited. But when you're on the front lines every day, which I have been, and I love it, Mm -hmm. you learn a whole nother dimension of your practice. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of been my story. And luckily, I tell God, you know, I'm done with the challenges. And now my next 60 years, I, you know, will live, uh, you know, with all the knowledge I have today. Mm, Love that. And it's just amazing, right? You turn this experience that could be quite devastating, right? Into your healing journey and learn so much. And when we think about too, the work with cancers, a cancer, there's so much fear and uncertainty and triggers around hormones, right? And so just looking at environmental endocrine disruptors, you know, medications, and then even the realm of, you know, hormones that women need throughout their life and how that be helpful or not helpful. So it's just, you know, kind of set you up to understand that and kind of be prepped for that. And I just want to acknowledge too, I I just so appreciate that you see patients, you know, you have this, you know, big clinic, and maybe you want to um, share how that got started at this point, because I agree, it's like, I mean, I've only been doing this a little over 10 years. And I feel like patients teach us every day, you know, and you know, it's like, we could have the best idea or the best protocol and think that, oh, goodness, I can't wait to do that. And then we get quickly the feedback if it works or doesn't. Right. And and then also the pattern, right. I think that there's a pattern that we'll see in the patients that were drawn, that are drawn to us. And there's something to always kind of dig deeper and understand, you know, with, 
you know, why that constellation of symptoms are happening for those individuals that we see. And so, yeah, I think it's like life, right? We just learn so much through the experience and healing is definitely not linear and it's a process and, you know, our patients teach us every day. So I just want to acknowledge that. And I, I guess, yeah, why don't you tell us about your clinic in Orange County and really what you've set up that's, you know, that has inspired you along the way? Well, I started out long, like I said, a long time ago, and I treated basically everything, you know, like everything from just a routine annual physical to high blood pressure, to diabetes, to uh, autoimmune, all kinds of illnesses, Mm -hmm. to human optimization, if you just want to restore health. Well, back about 10 years ago, I started seeing a lot more cancer patients. And because I had met so many mentors about for me, how to prevent cancer, because lots of babies had got developed cancer and the older you get, you know, you're more at risk. So anyway, so I said, oh, we need to set up a whole preventive cancer division and treatment cancer division. So we did. And we started out very tiny with a couple of patients. And then that has grown to where we are today. And we developed a special region of the clinic because those patients are there every day. And it's all open so that we feel like people thrive together in community. So mm-hmm. we want our, all of our patients to know each other and like share each other's stories. And they just do really good with the synergism of what's going on. Because like you said, cancer is a very fearful, dra- traumatic, dramatic diagnosis. And I would love like the whole world to know that you can completely prevent cancer. And, you know, that's really my goal. But, you know, unfortunately, most people say, oh, you know, I feel great. I, I'm fine. Nothing's wrong. You know, there's no reason for me to even think about that. My body's working for me. And I always tell people, you know, especially CEOs, you know, they have a dashboard they rule their life by. And I'm like, well, you you know, we need to know the dashboard of our own health. Mm-hmm. And I tell people we can't manage something we haven't measured. And with, with the information and knowledge today, for very little money, mm-hmm. you can know a lot about yourself. I mean, honestly, and you would know the direction you need to go in your life. So let's, let's not take it for granted that, okay, you know, yeah, I would like to think that our body just automatically, and it does work. I used to say that you have a warranty until you're 40. And then from 40 to 60, it's the semi-warranty plan. And 60 on is pure repair, upkeep and maintenance. And believe me, I know because I'm over 60. But I do believe that now today, because of the world around us and the toxicity and the food and, you know, all the, all the different factors that we're seeing 35 years old with stage four colon cancer. I am seeing ovarian cancer at 35, 25. I have a little girl. uh, I say little girl because to me, it's a little girl. She's 25 stage four breast cancer. I mean, so we're not seeing, we're not seeing 60 year olds, 70 year olds, 80 year olds with cancer. Yes, we have those, but we're seeing all these young people and the cancers are not simple. There's nothing like, it's not just a little simple little lump. It's devastating. And of course, though, because patients are coming to a stage four cancer because they've already done everything. And when I say everything, everything is you get surgery or chemo or radiation or some combination thereof. And people don't understand that everything that's been discovered in the last 20 years for oncology and for patients has increased survival for about three months. 
So all the research, all the charities, all the scientific articles, everything has extended life for three months. But what's more importantly is I read this book called The First Cell, and it's written by an oncologist. And she talked about in the book, and I really tell people don't read the book because it's all about the suffering of the cancer patient. So it's not an uplifting book like Radical Remission or Radical Hope, where all these people had stage four and they're thriving and and living in checkmate with their cancer. These are people who, you know, they suffered, they got their diagnosis, her husband, the the author, who's a medical doctor, she's an oncologist, and her own husband, you know, died from CLL. And then her daughter's best friend got glioblastoma in her 20s. And so, you know, and she talks about the suffering, she talks, yes, about how cancer starts with one cell, which I appreciate the knowledge that she has. But we've got to think about when we as physicians, our job is to restore health to them, whatever we have to do, okay? Our job is to make them better. And if they're not better, they're not feeling better in a month or so, we're probably not going in the right direction. So I always tell my patient, okay, if you're not getting better, we've got to like, we got to reassess things. Something is not right. So I have a lot of stage four cancer patients who are thriving and doing great. Because I always say, you can coexist with cancer. I use, like I said before, checkmate. Checkmate is, okay, you're living well, you're thriving, you're doing what you need to do, whatever the supplements, the eating, the emotional work, et cetera, and you're fine, okay? And in conventional medicine, it's stage four, okay, let's try this drug, this drug, this clinical trial and everything. It's never about restoration of humans. And, and that's what we, as, as, as practitioners, we're supposed to be adding to their life, not taking away from their life. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not just in cancer. You know, you can take that to other illnesses. And look how many illnesses today that don't have a drug. Dementia doesn't have a drug. Autism doesn't have a drug. Autoimmune doesn't have lots of medical problems today do not have a medication and medications can be helpful in emergencies and certain situations where people have, you know, congenital problems or accidents or something. So medications can be very, very helpful. But we also, when we give a medication, we need to give informed consent what that can do. So we can counteract, for example, if you give a statin, you know, you need to protect the liver, you got to protect the coenzyme Q10, you got to protect the mitochondria. If you give hydrochlorothiazide, a diuretic, well, that causes high sugar, high uric acid, depletion of your mineral. So we need to counteract that with the necessary nutrients to protect the patient. And we don't, we're not doing that. And because that information now, I mean, some, I forget who wrote the book on all the nutritional deficiencies that are caused by each drug. Everyone that's taking medication needs to read that. So they'd say, oh, you know, because doctors don't check nutritional deficiencies. Unfortunately, all doctors went to medical school and learned biochemistry. And biochemistry is all about vitamins, minerals, and the Krebs cycle. So <laughs> it's something fundamental to every doctor's education but we're not utilizing that to take care of patients. So it's very, very sad. So I would love to, that patients be really aware that we can prevent cancer because cancer is 10 year process from one cancer cell to the tumor is 10 years. So that means we have nine years of opportunity to figure out if patients have cancers. And so 
And like the suffering you would change in people, just like heart disease, mm-hmm. heart disease. I work up a patient because I always tell people the top three killers are heart disease is number one, about 675,000 deaths. It has not decreased despite statins, despite intervention. It still hasn't decreased. Cancer is number two. So we got to make sure every practitioner should say, okay, let's make sure our patients don't have heart disease and cancer. Mm-hmm. Those are for very little money. You can figure out if you have heart disease and cancer, okay? The third is published by Johns Hopkins, medications, errors, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, this is something that we as we should be proactive, preventive, and personalized. You were talking about how we're learning from our patients. Every individual is an original. So what you do with one person isn't the, what you do with the second person because we are unique. And just like our fingerprint is unique, we're, our insides are unique. So we, we just have to have a, we really just have to think about it. And we have this thing about it is you're trying to get this information out. I'm trying to get this information out. Lots of people are trying to get this information because really self-care is going to be the new healthcare. We don't have enough money, energy, technology to change human health. We don't have. Mm-hmm. We've got to take charge and responsibility of ourselves by following the natural laws and rules of, the, of our body. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, I'm just the messenger. You're just the messenger. But we've got to follow. And I always tell people, perfection is never your goal. <laughs> Please do not think that perfection is your goal because it's not. But because we can live, I always tell people, you know, the seesaw. We, I grew up, we had seesaws and everything. We would always say like how we could stay like that. Mm-hmm. And so, but it just, it's just like, we have to get this information out. We need to help people be able to learn that self-care that they can do. And I know through this podcast, through books like this, things that we're trying to get, we can help, and we can be an inspiration and emotional support to patients. So also, because, you know, we all need to be connected. We're all interdependent on one another, whether we like it or not, we are. And so we can help each other with your special talents and my special talents and the patient's special talents we can change this world. Love this. It's so inspiring. And especially now, right? It's like, I think even people who might have not had such a focus on their health, you know, with the pandemic and, you know, all of this, I keep on thinking, even though this is a hard time, and I'm sure you and I have strong opinions on how we can empower people. That's not, you know, the mainstream narrative right now, but it's like, I feel like everyone can't ignore their health right now. Right. And so I'm hoping that we um, can, you know, people are more open to receiving that, that maybe they wouldn't have thought um, before. And so, so no, I, I think this is, you know, I keep on thinking we're in the middle of this great paradigm shift and you've done um, yeah. a lot of, you know, pioneering work, just getting, you know, the cancer world, which is a very, my, my father is an oncologist. So I kind of grew up kind of seeing oh, this yeah, sure. world and everything. And, you know, I volunteered at the American Cancer Society when I was younger and all that. And, you know, it's just seeing um, a conveyor belt of fear, you know, that um, patients are put in. So it's like, I know that you're doing the work to give them this whole other opportunity of like, oh my gosh, all these other treatments are out there, um, you know, for you to integrate in this kind of more comprehensive approach. And so I know that moves the needle, right? Then rather just, you know, these three modalities to extend life, maybe three months. And so no, I, I think that's the future. And I think, as you said, it's like prevention is always, it's not as, you know, maybe it's a harder selling point for some people because prevention yes. is like, we don't know what we're preventing, you know, like you don't ever get to see maybe when we pass on to the other world, we see what we prevented, right? But, you know, it's like, it's hard to, 
really say, oh, look, all of this prevented that. But I, I think it's still really the, the important message because I agree there's a lot that we can do to, you know, uh, prevent these disease processes from um, happening. And so, and especially with them happening earlier, you know, I, I've seen just a handful in my world too, younger cancers, younger disease states and younger people. And you would think, you know, 50s, 60s, not 20s, 30s. And I, I see a lot of young women um, who have chronic illnesses from the whole gamut, POTS and chronic fatigue and dysautonomic, right. you know, all of that. So I, I see a lot of that. And so, so Dr. Keneally, where do you start? Like, and I, it sounds like we should start in your twenties now to really start doing some of these right. screenings to just make sure that you're living, you know, optimally as much as possible. But where, where do we start with measuring prevention? Right. Um, yeah. So prevention is, so when I see a patient, even if they're young, you think, okay, they don't really need anything. So typically a doctor will order a chemistry and a CBC. Well, which is great because you look at your electrolytes, your kidney function, liver function, make sure a patient's not anemic or any kind of blood disorders. But so that's a start. But what we do on every single patient, because a person, a male or a female's hormones are already kind of where they're going to be. But we find now because of all the endocrine disruptors and endocrine for patients is, is hormone disruptors. Mm -hmm. So plastics are one of the biggest ones, the nanoplast. So now they've already found nanoplastics in placenta. So the baby's already being exposed during in utero. And so it's the number one pollutant in man are plastics. So one thing people can do is try to get rid of the plastics in their environment. Uh, and then detox, we all have to just cleanse every day because it's just part of living in the new 21st century. But so I will order uh, a chemistry, a CBC, a C-reactive protein. So C-reactive protein is the marker of inflammation. So if you have inflammation, that's fire in the system. You never want to have inflammation. And so I always give people things to get it down. And if it doesn't go down in six weeks, then I go, okay, we got a problem. Something is wrong. You know, where is it? Is it liver, kidney, teeth, candida, parasites, et cetera? So always thyroid function because thyroid disorders are just growing crazy because of pollution and electromagnetic fields, et cetera. Then we always want to check a hemoglobin A1C. Hemoglobin, I've been utilizing hemoglobin C for years because I just believe like that's an aging marker, but a blood sugar marker. Mm -hmm. So it's a reflection of your sugar over 90 days. If you have high sugar, you're predisposed to all diseases, not only cancer, heart disease, every disease. It paralyzes the cell when you have high sugar. So why we need to know that if the patient knows that, then they can make those changes. Then I check all the hormones, the adrenals, the, the pregnenolone. Uh, I will check D, like DHEA because that's part of the adrenal function. Vitamin D influences over 3000 genes. So we need to do that also. Mm -hmm. So I will do this panoramic blood work on a patient and it's all covered by insurance. So that's the good thing. And now, if a patient really wants to prevent cancer, like they have like want to know everything. So I'll do that. Then I will order a blood test called the circulating tumor cell. The circulating tumor cell are the cells that are start are producing when something is the size of about a millimeter or two. So I use a lab in Greece. There are labs all over the world, but I found the most accurate lab is the RGCC. I've been using them for about eight years. So um, it's in Greece. They, the doctor there, the molecular, uh, he's MD, PhD in molecular biology, and he is very, very passionate and ethical about his work. I have used labs in Germany and France, but the RGCC 
offers a wide, comprehensive uh, array of, of panels and things that we can use. So circulating tumor cells. So those are responsible for metastasis, but they're also telling me that something's already brewing, simmering, fermenting in your body. Mm-hmm. Then I'll do a PHI, which is the enzyme of hypoxia. If you have low oxygen, water, Otto Warburg got a Nobel Prize, that cancer is low oxygen, sugary, acidic environment. And so if you have a high PHI, we know we have an environment for cancer. Mm-hmm. So, so we want to make sure, and, and you can have that in other diseases, but it's big in cancer. So that's a, another blood test that you can do. I always like, and I know you're very into this, is bioenergetic testing. Mm-hmm. So Reinhold Vohl, he developed electroacupuncture to Vohl, and I was introduced to this about 23 years ago. And conventional medicine that is like, well, way out there. <laughs> so, and for me, when I first learned about, it, I'm like, well, this is so I'm like, you know, but I don't know anything. Let me go check this out. Anyway, when I first started learning about it, I, I was like, whoa, this is just unbelievable. I, I got to learn this more. So then I started like utilizing it in my practice. So I took a cancer patient that I knew what they had. Okay. And I did the bioenergetic testing and it showed explicitly what it had, what, what it was. And cause I use something called the cancer cascade. Now also though, you know, you use it for checking the acupuncture meridians all over the body, you know, to see what the energy impedances are. Mm-hmm. So it tells you like, you know, is a chemical causing a problem? Is it parasites? Is it candida? You know, is it toxicity, whatever it is. And then it's amazing, you know, you start doing the work and in three months you see the complete changes of, of your system. And it's very duplicable, you know, mm-hmm. from visit to visit. So I believe that's like probably one of the most invaluable tools that you'd use on a patient. And I know that's very foreign to patients and to new practitioners, but once you study it and you see it and you see how the patient gets phenomenally well, then you completely change the way you mm-hmm. think. So, but that's just an invaluable tool to do that. So I think with, you know, a limited panel of blood tests and you do the bioenergetic testing in the RGCC, you can very accurately determine if something is brewing, simmering or fermenting and then turn that around. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's way easier to turn around than someone who already has cancer for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so, because granted, you can help somebody, you know, with, with stage one, two, three, four cancer, you can, ha- you, you can really help most patients at all stages because the conventional treatment is surgery, chemo, and radiation. And I will tell you, I do use those treatments. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use surgery because patients sometimes need to have surgery. They have to have surgery. You know, they've got to remove the tumor. I always teach the patients, the tumor is immunosuppressive. Now I do have patients who don't want to remove the tumor. And I go, okay, I will partner with you. And if you want to do the work, I will partner, but I will see you every month to make sure this situation isn't out of control. So, uh, you know, because, you know, I have patients that have very definite views on how they want to take care of themselves. And our job is to be a partner with them. We're not to be dictators over them. We've got to partner with them if that's what they want to do. And so I, I'm okay, but I said, you've got to be in connection with me. 
because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of patients do it on their own because they know their doc- their doctors told them you're scared. You're, I mean, they fear them and you're going to die anyway. And they tell them all these terrible things, which is the worst thing in the world for anybody to say or do. And but tumors are immunosuppressive. They're sending out bad signals to the body. So tumors are, are not. And then sometimes they're going to cause you know, anatomical impairment. So we sometimes, you know, we have to perform surgeries. Chemotherapy is sometimes necessary because patients come in with big cases where the cancer is already spread. So we have to shrink the tumor burden so they can do it either conventionally or we do in our clinic, we do insulin potentiation therapy, which is low dose chemo, 10% using insulin as the Trojan horse or the escort to bring the chemo in to you know, save the other cells. And so that sometimes works on patients. So we make a decision, but I always tell the patient, I'm going to partner with you, whatever you decide to do. I always want you to know all the options, see the surgeon, see the oncologist, see me, and we'll come up with a plan that you feel works for you Mm -hmm. because patients have their own intuition of what they want to do and, Mm -hmm. and what they can do. Mm -hmm. So I tell people, I'm going to partner you with you, whatever capacity and how you want me to do. Okay. Uh, so because you, I don't think it's our job to force people, but I do think our job is to let and educate every, all the aspects, the good, bad, and the ugly. All right. Mm -hmm. And so, and then because there's something called the placebo effect, whatever you think is good is what's going to work best. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you don't think it's good, then that's not the way to go. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't, I want people to understand though, if you do surgery, chemo and radiation, that's just the first three steps of a hundred. Mm-hmm. Those are all fine and dandy, but I p- prepare my patients for a biopsy. I prepare my patients for a surgery. I prepare my patients for chemotherapy. I, pre- I create a healing. So you've got to address the emotional conflict that we all have. Everyone thinks, oh my God, I, nothing's wrong with me. I don't have anything. I had a girlfriend that says, oh, I don't have anything wrong with me. And then I couldn't get even a reading on the bioenergetic testing because mm-hmm. she's so blocked. But anyway, she's finally, you know, coming along with the program. But we all, like, none of us knew what happened to us when we were one years old or two years old and three of our, you know, now they have extensive study on adverse childhood experiences. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, and the studies are real, the studies, you know, they've done in mice, they exposed them to cherry blossoms and then electrocuted them. And then the next generation had the same problem. So mm-hmm. we are a product of many generations of good and bad and not so whatever, you know, we, you know, none of us perfect. I, my, my parents weren't perfect. I probably am not perfect. Mm -hmm. with my kids. I just did the best with the knowledge I had, but Mm -hmm. we all have scars. We all have emotional scars and we've got, you've got to deal with them because, you know, I tell people you become what you think about most of the time. Mm -hmm. And I love Bruce Lipton. You know, he wrote the book, the biology of belief, you know, please go listen to him. You know, he's just so wonderful and has, you know, I read the book many years ago and I just like love listening to him. And even though I know what he he's all about and what he thinks, but he just comes, he has great YouTubes. So there's other people, there's lots of other good people who can help establish new recordings, you know, of us, but we all need to be turning. We all, we, I always tell people there's two cardinal rules. You can't become your diagnosis and you can't own your diagnosis. Mm -hmm. It is a learning episode. Mm -hmm. And because you're going to learn something to bless someone else. 
Mm-hmm. It's so true. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just see that all the time. And you can't become an expert without really experiencing the challenge. It might be a health challenge. It might be a divorce. It might be a financial challenge. Then you go, whoa, I got to you, Your focus goes laser right into the situation. Ch- you know, challenges in life, you know, in the word crises is danger and opportunity. We have to look at the danger, but, and say, look how I counteract it and then look at the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we just are not, we're just not evolved in light until we've had a roadblock in our life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, so people, but our cancer patients, we are constantly, so we deal with the emotional work. We always put them on a cleanse. We always check every nutritional deficiency. Uh, we give them the support of treatments. It might be hyperbaric. It might be IV vitamin C. It be, might be IV mistletoe. It might be depending on how their RGCC comes out. We might give them different IVs. We use laser, into laser. I think you do, you utilize into laser also. Um, we do pulsed electromagnetic field. We use red light therapy. I mean, we use everything to add energy to the patient because let's face it, we're all energy mm-hmm. and the cells of a cancer patient are very resonating, very, very low. So we've got to raise the energy of all of our cells, you know, so these are the treatments. Everything that we do here is to raise the energy vibration of the patient. So we create the healing environment. You know, it's all about the environment and the terrain, Mm -hmm. whether it's a bug or whether it's cancer or something else, we've got to change. It was interesting. I just like for curiosity, went on the National Institute of Health website. And, you know, it's interesting. It says all the, all the chemicals that cause cancer, This is on National Institute of Health. Okay, but when does a doctor ever check for heavy metals? When does a doctor ever check for any kind of toxicity, which you can measure today? I tell people, what we can measure today is plentiful. So yes, you can spend a lot of money. And I always tell people, if you don't have the money, I will tell you, everybody has heavy metals. (laughs) And the Environmental Protection Agency says there's no safe level of any heavy metal. And how each person responds, but I always tell people it's not just one chemical, one heavy metal. It's the synergistic potential of how the this affects our DNA every day. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, you know, it's a monumental thing. So we all need to clean up. We all need to clean up. We're living in a world of incredible toxicity. I don't know if you read the book called uh, Silent Spring, mm-hmm. uh, Rachel Carson, and she talked about this with DDT and like, you know, smoking, you know, smoking was advertised in medical jour- journals. Okay. But, you know, it took us 50 years to establish that smoking caused cancer. We can't, we don't have 50 years. The patient's sick today. So mm-hmm. we've got to, it's like hand washing. I always use the analogy of hand washing, hand washing took 100 years, not gloves, hand washing took 100 years to get instituted. So the patient is sick today. And we need to as long as it's not an injurious process, we need to say, look, let's explore let let's see how this is going to help you. Mm-hmm. So, so I just wish all the doctors would be implementing, you know, whether it's acupuncture, it could be acupuncture, it could be lymphatic drainage, all these things that we actually have a very, very, very long history. So very long history. Lymphatic drainage in medicine has been around for a very, very long time. So, I mean, there's a whole study lymphology, you know, so why, why we aren't implementing this to take care of the patient is, is a travesty. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so, you know, we've got to just continue to educate people on, 
how they can take care of themselves and what, you know, what is really going on in their system. Mm -hmm. So, and I always tell people there's no finish line to help. It's an ongoing discovery process. And we, we all don't live in a bubble and we're all influenced by the world around us. So that's why it's so important for us to each per, you know, create our own personal living sanctuary to the best of our ability and knowledge to make it healthy. And so, but this is all new information, Christine, you know, it's a, it's a lot. And the average person, you know, to just, you know, I went over to my neighbor's house, they had a little dinner party and they're putting their, their leftover cheese in a, in a plastic bag. And I go, you know, like, no, you know, plastic is terrible. You need to get wax paper. I said, I will buy you wax paper. <laughs> but when I had my children, you know, 30 years ago, I only used wax paper because that's what my mom used. But I know all about plastics because of the endocrine disruption. And I'm a victim of these simple little things that we can do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, you've covered, you know, so many great points. And I agree. It's like just even echoing. I, I remember in naturopathic medical school, we're not even, you know, trained to treat cancer, but we have oncology classes. And I remember the first kind of slide, like basically the headline was, you know, cancers and environmental illness. Right. And it's like how we still so focus on the genetics and not the epigenetic influence. And I, as you talk, I just think, you know, like you're creating, right, the cancer centers of the future that I, you know, hope that we really, you know, can embrace. And, you know, as you're talking about prevention, I know a few people, you know, I know my patients ask me, and so not to completely take us down this rabbit hole, but just a brief comment on in the, in females, of course, the, you know, prevented the, the thing that you can do for prevention is mammography, right? So um, every woman is guided to do mammography and you know, that can be a tool, but just how do you guide women um, to kind of visualize and examine um, anatomically the breast? And then are you excited about anything coming out in the future that you see might even be a better option? Well, that's always a common, common question because a lot of my patients probably 50% refuse mammography, even though I'm a medical doctor. So I always tell patients, this is the standard of care is to get a mammography. Now, the Cochrane Collaboration Group did a retrospective analysis of, of mammograms and said that for every 10,000 mammograms, there's one life saved. So very, very low, plus mammography is radiation, can be carcinogenic. So what I do in my practice, I use a combination of mammography, depending on the patient, what they want to do. And then second of all, I use thermography, but it's really important to use the right camera. And then I use ultrasound. And a lot of times I order MRIs also depending on what I get from those three imaging, just so people know, even if you do mammography, you're going to miss probably 50% of pathology. So we can't use it. I tell people, most people find their breast cancer just by good, good breast self-exam. Mm -hmm. So they do that every month at the time of their menstrual cycle. If they're not menstruating, do it, you know, at a time or the first of the month or something that, but everybody knows their body. And so, but thermography is a phenomenal tool to look at it because breasts are not vascular. And so you see the vascularity, vas cancer starts to have vascularity because that's how they anchor and stay alive is vascularity. So I will find, so I always tell people you cannot use one tool. In fact, 71% of cancers do not even have investigative tool. You know, there's only mammogram, colonoscopy, PSA, and a colonoscopy. So what about all the other cancers? And that's when it's big. So right. we can't use that. You know, those are, so, you know, lots of cancers, you can't even like pancreatic cancer, 
lung cancer, you know, can't be detected with any kind of good screening. So that's why, you know, my screening, like I've developed in my book is, is like a way better, you know, preemptive way. Uh, but mammography, you know, can find certain things, but it's limited. So that's why you must do other imaging. Like I said, uh, thermography and uh, ultrasound, I have ultrasound in my office. And now they have these really, really technical ultrasound machine can get things very, very tiny. So I'm really happy about that kind of thing too, because they will depict things that are very, very um, small. Mm -hmm. So people need to know that because it says on the diagnosis, you know, mammography because of dense breast, you know, we may miss, you know, the pathology. So I always tell people don't go, you know, just don't go by a mammography. So mammography, thermography and ultrasound and possibly MRI. Mm-hmm. So un- it's unfortunate, but it's, you know, every, every imaging is t- technologically difficult because the doctor's reading what they know. Okay. Mm-hmm. And like a cyst can appear like a cyst, but you've got to verify it's not cancer by checking circulating tumor cells and all the other testing. Mm-hmm. Because I've had many a patient come to see me and said, oh, I went to my surgeon. I went to my GYN and they said, this cyst is nothing. And I go, okay, we're going to make sure it's nothing. So we need to make sure by doing these other imaging. Thank you. Thank you. That question comes up a lot. So I just knew people would respect your opinion who are listening around that. And then Dr. Keneally, you wrote a book that came out, I think a few years ago, right? The Cancer Revolution. The Cancer Revolution. And can you just, um, I want people to be able to access that because um, you gave so many great tips and you can go deeper, you know, in this exploration. I know you have lots of treatments and some, of course, prevention and then some tools and therapies in the end, but any, any insights um, to share around uh, the book for people who are listening? Right. Well, because it's, it's a comprehensive guide really for Mm -hmm. any illness, because I address every facet, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, emotions and sleep and water and all those good things that is important in every disease process. And I go into extreme detail, the blood testing, so they can go to any doctor and start getting the blood test. Obviously we do online and zoom and all that. We've been doing that for years and years and years. Uh, but I've had patients just take my book and start doing the juicing and the coffee enemas and uh, all the things and gotten, you know, done very well just by, you know, um, reading my book. And it's good for if you even have Alzheimer's because it talks about the ketogenic eating program and cleansing and all that. There isn't a subject that I didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. So now as far as treatments, you know, I do talk about some of the treatments. But of course, as you know, within te- technology and advancement, I, we, we have new things all the time. <laughs> So I don't think I even mentioned about Endolaser in this book because that came to the U.S. It started in Germany, as you know, but came to the U.S. later. And we all we all are learning about this fabulous use of laser. So it's great for uh, anything. People can use it as a guide just for understanding on just good self-care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And as you said, it's like cancer is one expression of like all these underlying factors, but they Correct. can you know, present as neurological illness or, you know, heart disease even, and, you know, all these things. So it's like, yeah, this is a lifestyle to embrace so we can, you know, have the health and longevity that we all want um, for our families and our communities. And uh, That's right. this is, it's an exciting time. Um, we, I know we have our work cut out for us, you know, there's so many people who need this work and this information. And any closing words of wisdom, you gave us so much information and so much insight today, but anything you want to leave the audience with? Right. Well, I always tell people never give up on yourself and never give up on anyone else. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's so important. Yeah, it really is. And I've learned that, you know, I've had lots of challenges. So just mm-hmm. never give up on yourself. Never give up hope. I had a dentist come in to see me yesterday and she has a sleep disorder. And she goes, oh, Dr. Gale, I'm just giving up hope. And I go, well, how are you going to help people if you're giving up hope on yourself? I said, never, <laughs> never go there. I said, do you know how many thousands of experiments I've done on myself and patients to learn mm-hmm. what I need to do? And I said, so this is just something for you, a roadblock obstacle. You know, there's a book called The Obstacle is the Way. The Obstacle is the Way. (laughs) Anyway. So wise, so true. And I think that, you know, we're all on, um, I believe, the planet to learn from these experiences, right? And so we have to embrace them. So um, so Dr. Keneally, can you just share if people want to learn more about you and your clinic, where to find you? And again, we'll have it alongside the notes as well. Right. It's KeneallyMD.com. So they can learn. I have another book, Be Perfectly Healthy. It's just lots of things I've written over the past 25 years. Mm -hmm. And just little things, pots and pans, plastics, all kind of little tidbits. So Keneally MD. But thank you, Christine, for you know being uh, sharing your time with me today and helping us all, you know, enlighten and just really inspire people of you know what they need to know and how they can how we can all make this world a better place. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for being um, a pioneer and a mentor and um, just all the work that you're doing to kind of pave the way for this uh, new form of healing that I, I know that we're, you know, in the process of, you know, um, really right. action and bringing more mainstream. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed my podcast today with Dr. Leanne Keneally. Please visit her website, www.keneallymd.com. And please check out in the show notes, some of her book references, as well as her new docuseries that's coming out. And I hope you learned a lot today about how to prevent cancer, not only prevention, but also innovative treatments and tools if you or your loved one is struggling with cancer today. So thank you and have a beautiful day.